Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. In episode 11, LeBron is still making his case for this year's MVP as the Cavs have now won 12 games in a row. Had they righted the ship after struggling earlier this season? Blake Griffin gets hurt once again. Is it now time for the, the Clippers to blow it up? Is it time for them to tank? Is the Doc Rivers era going to finally be over with in Los Angeles? Kawhi Leonard and his quad injury, he's yet to play a game. Should the Spurs be worried? And Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum are now throwing their hat in the ring for Rookie of the Year after it looked like Ben Simmons is going to win this award going away. All that and more up next on the Off the Glass podcast. This is the Off the Glass podcast, bringing you a fresh, thought-provoking, intelligent perspective to the game of basketball. I'm your host, Z. Excited to be back. I know it's been a while, but excited to be back in joining you guys. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, we're going to jump right into it as we discuss uh, LeBron James and his stellar play as it continues to keep going as they got another win last night over the Chicago Bulls, which gives them their 12th win in a row. And I asked the question in the opening, have they righted their wrongs? Have they righted the ship? And one thing about NBA basketball that is key, because a lot of times we'll say things like, well, who had they beaten? They haven't got any wins against some of the top top teams. And while that all does hold true and has its proper place, one thing about the NBA is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And sometimes, you know, you have to beat those teams that you're supposed to beat. And if anything, the Cavs had been so dysfunctional this season, gotten off to such a rocky start. It did nothing but help them for them to go on and get on this nice winning streak. They uh, kind of got some consistency now with the rotations as far as how they want to play. Now that Dwayne Wade is in his full role coming off the bench, they've been getting consistent play from uh, Jeff Green, which I, I'm not going to lie, I'm shocked to see. Hopefully it lasts for them long term. Kevin Love has been playing well. Kyle Corver has shot the ball well. And, of course, the focal point, LeBron James, is definitely making his bid uh, for MVP. You know, the only other person that's really playing at the same level that LeBron's playing at right now, of course, is James Harden down in Houston as James Harden is actually leading the league in scoring at 31.7 points per game and in assists at 9.7. But LeBron is right there. He's third in scoring at 28 points a game. He's actually third in assists at 8.5. He's shooting a high percentage from the field, as we expect. So I, I think, you know, if LeBron is still considered the best player in the league and he's playing at this kind of level, this late in his career, I think he should be on pace to win the MVP, but it's going to be interesting because they felt like the last two years, especially last year, um, James Harden could have easily um, won the MVP, and I don't think that's not true. I just feel like at the end of the day, if LeBron is supposed to be your best player in your league, I don't see why he doesn't get the MVP award. But with that being said, Cleveland has beat up on some of the lower teams in the in the league right now. Um, they're not playing some of the most – toughest or stiffest of competitions but like I said that's okay because again they were 
in totally disarray. Derrick Rose had walked away from the team from personal to personal reasons, and it was actually announced yesterday that he's officially back with the team and now going through rehab to get his ankle better so he can get back out on the court. It's going to be interesting to see how they integrate him once he comes back. Are you going to put him in that uh, second unit? I'm assuming that they're not going to start on putting him in that second unit, but then that becomes problematic because now you have a bunch of bad defenders on the court in D-Wade, Derrick Rose, Kyle Korver, they've been playing a lot of Shannon Fry as well. So not a really strong defensive lineup, So, um, which is definitely a, a weakness for Cleveland. It always has been a weakness, even going back to the time, um, the years that Kyrie Irving was there recently. But it's going to be interesting to see. To me, the huge litmus test is going to be once they officially get Isaiah Thomas back, who's you know stepped up his rehab process as he continues to work his way back from the hip injury which I stated before, this is not an injury where rest did him any good. It would have behooved him to have surgery, but because he's in a contract year, of course he wasn't going to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see once he gets back and Tristan Thompson is still out, are they going to be able to kind of integrate these pieces and stay at, at a high level and stay smooth sailing? I'll tell you one thing, though. You know, Even though Boston's winning streak is now officially over, um, Boston still looks impressive to me. Like, I watched him play last night against Milwaukee, and just the way that he has those guys defending is just simply incredible. Their bench has been playing well. They they play well as a team. They pass the ball extremely well. And it's just interesting to see how uh, he's completely revamped his team on the fly and got everybody playing at a high level. It was a, a guy that came off the bench. I want to say his name is Daniel Theus, if I'm – Pronouncing it wrong, uh, I apologize, but watching him block shots and run the floor and giving them a presence inside, and we'll touch on it a little bit later in the podcast, but Jason Tatum has been playing well, shooting the ball at an incredible pace. Jalen Brown, again, has stepped in and played well. So the more I watch them, I'm starting to wonder, is it really, really possible that they can possibly match up with Cleveland and beat them in a seven-game series. But again, man, LeBron, he looks incredible right now. It's just, I worry, can he keep this pace up? And, um, you know, again, a lot of this still remains to be seen as we're already kind of chopping at the bit to kind of get, you know, to the playoffs to kind of see how all this unfolds. But it was kind of good, encouraging to see Cleveland kind of get some wins under their belt, um, get back on track, which is nothing more than a good thing. Switching gears. Boy, 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 boy. Blake Griffin just cannot catch a break. He was arguably having one of his best seasons this year. He was uh, playing well in his new point forward role. Not going to say he was an MVP type candidate, but he was definitely playing well. And then, I mean, you're talking about somebody that just has no luck at all. This wasn't even an injury. That was his fault. I mean, you have a teammate just clumsily stumbling, stumbling into his leg and hurting his knee. And, like, as soon as I saw and heard, I said, man, this this, this doesn't look good. The good news is for, for Griffin is the fact that, you know, he didn't tear anything. It was, a, it was a severe knee injury, but it was a sprain, which means he'll be back this season. And right now he's slated to miss um, about two months, they stated, in, in the press release, which is, I guess is a good thing. But, man, you know, they, it, it kind of when it rains, it pours because they started out the season strong. And then it was like Tia Dosich, the, the the point guard sensation from overseas. He went down with plantar fasciitis. He wasn't playing. Then, of course, uh, Gallinari got hurt like he does every year, so he wasn't playing. 
And then Patrick Beverly had hurt his knee. Then he had surgery. And then it was announced that he wasn't going to be back for the rest of the season. And it was just free-falling and spiraling out of control. Now it's talks of, of, of trading trading DeAndre Jordan. Um, is Doc Rivers' tenure over with? So a lot of questions that need to be answered out there in Clipperland. But before the injury, you know, Blake was shooting about 42% from the field, over 35% from three, which is the highest he's ever shot, 78 from the free throw line, averaging just about 24 points a game, eight rebounds, five assists. So he was playing really well. And I think they need to just go ahead and just just blow it up now and just tank and just try to rebuild their team because – you know, you don't just lose a great player like Chris Paul. And everybody was trying to downplay that, like, you know, you know, like like Chris Paul was some kind of slouch. And it was obvious that the pieces they did get back in the tray I liked, but only if they stayed healthy. And it was – I mean, I don't think Gallinari's ever played more than about 65, 66 games. Um, Patrick Beverly has been nicked up here and there, but nothing like this where he misses a whole season. And then you get the – I think they were really, really leaning heavily on Teodosius to kind of anchor that – that second unit and possibly play even like some starter minutes down the stretch. And when he got hurt, that's kind of when everything started unraveling. So if I'm the Clippers, I see what you can get for DeAndre Jordan, um, which I don't know how much they're going to be able to get. They command all they want. But in a NBA where if you're a big, you got to be able to shoot the ball in some form of capacity. A lot of times he's just out there just floating around the three-point line, looking to set screens and pass the ball. He's absolutely no offensive threat. So, it's going to be interesting what value he brings to another team. You know, of course, they float Cleveland out there all the time, but I don't know if he necessarily makes Cleveland better. I mean, is DeAndre Jordan better than Tristan Thompson? I, I think they're about the same player, and the contracts are, might be comparable, but I know DeAndre is coming up for his contract. Are you going to have to pay him? So do you let all those pieces go to bring him in? You know, I don't, I don't think you do that deal. I think one thing's for sure and two things is for certain. It might not be – during the season, but if I was them, I'll move on from Doc Doc Rivers. Me personally, never really been a big Doc Rivers fan. I will say this: I know he's great, a great culture guy from the standpoint the veterans respect him. He can get a lot out of them um, as far as far as getting them to play. But to me, him getting the title in Boston kind of covered up a lot of his a lot of his flaws, in my opinion, um, as a coach. Um, I will say this, but it's been rumored how much he gets credit for him. He is good coming out of the timeouts. He draw, draws up good stuff. And you can't give him the credit for the defense they played because Tom Thibodeau was the architect uh, of that defense and revolutionized the, NBA, revolutionized the NBA with the ice concept, pick and roll defense, and how to zone up off the ball in general. So, again, they I think I think it's coming down the pipe because they did strip him of his general manager duty, something they should have never gave him. Um, and now Lawrence Frank kind of runs the day-to-day and other people in the business office. But doesn't look good right now for the Clippers. If I was them, I would trade uh, DeAndre, see what I can get, uh, make sure Blake is coming back healthy. I wouldn't rush him back because you already signed him to a long-term extension. Um See what you can get from Gallinari this year. See if Teodosius can come back strong and play, which I think he was slated to just start playing recently. So um, maybe that definitely helped him out. But doesn't look good for the Clippers right now. San Antonio, San Antonio. Boy, are you guys getting worried yet that Kawhi Leonard hasn't played a game? I mean, if I was the Spurs, I think I, I might. Because... 
even though Aldridge has been playing well for them, and I'm trying to pull it up. Let me see where they are in the standings. They're currently third in the standings right now. 11 and 2 at home, 4 and 1 in the division, 8 and 4 overall against the West. Struggling on the road this year. You know, 5 or 6 on the road, but you're 16 and 6, sitting third right there. So we already knew that they weren't going to fall off during the regular season. They have too, well, too good of a system. Popovich gets the most out of his players. And then I got to give him credit. You know, Aldridge has been playing well for them this year. I'm, I'm not going to take that away from him. But, you know, one thing about Aldridge is he, he just doesn't seem to be able to play well with other players. So other superstar players especially, you know, he had to get out of, out of uh, Portland because he just couldn't for some reason coexist with um, Damian Lillard. So, you know, now that they're made him the focal point, it's clear that it's Kawhi's team. Is he going to be comfortable or able to kind of, you know, come back into the into the fold and let uh, Kawhi do his thing while he still gives them that, that good punch that they need because they do need him to play well. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. You need that strong second option. And, I mean, he's currently averaging 23 points, eight rebounds, and two assists. So he's been playing well. You know, they kind of had to re – Vampire, they played a little bit. They slowed the ball a little bit, feed the post and feeding him. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Tony Parker came back from his injury. Um, they've been getting good minutes from the young fella, uh, Delonte Murray. They signed the gym, uh, uh, Brandon Paul. He's been playing well this year. Even somebody like a Clint Forbes um, has been playing well as well. So it, it's, it remains to be seen um, – how how they're going to finish out the season because to me the the biggest question mark is going to be whether um Kawhi can come back um his name is Brian Forbes excuse me if if Kawhi can come back uh healthy at all because without Kawhi they're not going to do anything long term I mean let's just let's just be honest let's just keep it keep it real he he's not they're not going to do anything long term unless he he comes back and he comes back healthy but you know solidly so far I want to pull up the defense real quick, see where they are defensively as a team. Uh, they're always right there in assists, rebounding the ball well. And these things are not are not surprising, surprising things. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, once they get Kawhi back. But it's it's been fascinating because I don't know if they're worried or not because you know they just really. Don't don't release too many too much information. You know, it's just kind of one of those things where they kind of just been monitoring it and just watching it. Yeah, that's what I thought. They're number five in defense right now overall, which isn't which isn't bad. So you know, good solid defense that'll keep you in a lot of games, especially in the regular season. It'll keep you um, close. That way, you have a chance to um, win late. And one thing about them, they always did that was well better than any other team. I think that gets lost sometimes. They don't foul a lot. And the fact that they don't foul a lot is is a really, 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 really good thing because that keeps the team from out the penalty, getting free points. So the fact that they're able to still play aggressive and still defend like that without fouling is um a really, really, really good thing. But again, they haven't released anything. If, if I'm them, I, I think they should be worried because the rumor is, too, he had the same injury as Tony Parker. Now, Tony Parker has surgery and was able to come back. Kawhi hasn't. So um, just wanted to touch on San Antonio real quick. I will, you know, give Aldridge a shout-out. He has been playing well, but if they don't get all uh, 
Kawhi back, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, this whole NBA season has been as great as the basketball been. It just shows you how deep the league is as far as talent. It's been a whole plethora of injuries this year. Uh, Denver just lost uh, Jokic for a few games. Uh, Millsap is out. He tore a ligament in his wrist. You had Rudy Gobert miss a lot of time for Utah. He He's back, but he's on the minutes restriction. Chris Paul has missed time. Gordon Hayward's out for the season. I just mentioned how Blake Griffin has been hurt. Kawhi has been hurt. So you have a lot of these top guys who've been hurt for teams, and a lot of these teams have still found, found ways to still win and be, and be consistent. And, um, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see for some of these teams who had playoff aspirations, especially a team like Denver. You know, now what do they do? How long does Jokic miss time with the ankle? It wasn't serious, but you never know with the ankle. He's a big guy. Losing Millsap was definitely a negative. But one thing about them that has been a plus, seems like Moutier is playing more consistent. Murray is playing more consistent. And bottom line, when they guards play well, they have a tendency to be in a lot of games. And even a player like Will Barton has been playing well for them coming off the bench. So it's going to be interesting to see the way the NBA shakes out because without some of these stars, some of these teams that have big-time plans going into the playoffs, they're not going to be able to advance far or even make the playoffs. And, you know, that brings up another question. You know, they was asking, well, OKC, can is OKC going to possibly miss the playoffs? I know it sounds crazy to say right now, but – I mean, they're currently let's let's look at the standings. I want to say they're ninth right now. So they're not at the playoff starting today. They're not even in the playoffs. Yeah, they're currently ninth, ten and twelve. Um, they're five and nine against the West. They're one and five in their own conference. Terrible on the road. They're two and nine, but they're five and five in their last ten, and they've won two in a row. But again, I I, I hate to just keep beating a dead horse, but it finally just clicked to me what it is about their team, aside from the fact that, you know, the mellow kind of really bogs down and clogs up their, their their offense. You have to really pay attention to and kind of know the game a little bit. I'm not trying to talk down to the to the viewership, but you got to kind of watch some things because it's, it's, it's definitely fool's goal. I was watching them play against Minnesota a few nights back, and I want to say during the stretch of the game, it was the first half, Melo was like three for five. So percentage-wise, good. He's knocking down shots and looks good. But when you watch the offense, he has a tendency to break the offense a lot, break rules and kind of do his own thing where he can get the ball in a matchup that he feels he can score on. And one play was a simple example of this, and I think he even scored out of this play, but it was a horn set, meaning that Steven Adams, I believe it was Steven Adams, could have been Jeremy Grant, but – was at the high high uh, post. Melo was at the other elbow. They had Robinson in the far left corner. Had Paul George in the strong right side corner. You want to put your worst shoot on the other side. That way, um, they can't help if West if Westbrook turns the corner because they help off. They want pass away and kick it to George. Now the play is obvious that if if, if Russell attacks Melo side off the pick, Stephen Adams is going to set a screen for for um, Melo, and then Melo's supposed to go down in the corner and set a screen for. Um, for Paul George. So what ends up happening is Russ comes off, they set the screen, a metal just immediately just fades to the top of the key and just demands the ball, and then the offense is completely broken. They don't get to the other option because one of the options is he could set the down screen from George, he can stay and post up himself, or he can come through the other side and get another screen from Robertson on the backside, but they don't even, even come close to getting to any of that secondary action when he's on the court. So I say all that to say this. 
that kind of stuff works early in the game when the teams are trying to fill each other out, you're trying to get a lather going, get a sweat going, and you're making those shots. But late in the game, when it's winning time, when the game is on the line, you have to be able to execute. And it's kind of hard to just flick that switch. Trust it. I've seen it. I've even experienced it playing that if you haven't run good stuff all year and you're not accustomed to running good stuff all year, that so when it's time to execute on a stretch, you usually struggle. And that's how they end up in playing take turns, isolation, hero ball. That's why I say they would have been better served not to trade for him at all. They should have just stayed pat with Paul George. They should have just stayed pat with their bench and let Melo go somewhere else. But now that he's here, to me, to solve this problem, I wouldn't necessarily bring him off the bench because whether you bring him off the bench or start him, he's still the same type of player. Somehow, some way, they're going to have to get Melo to buy in and taking a step back, running the offense and just getting his shots through the offense. And one thing that's, that I should point out, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. He had Steve Kerr on there. And one thing Kerr said that was very important and I, I agree with 100% is superstar players don't necessarily need, quote, unquote, an offensive set. Like he said, I could easily come down every time and run high pick and roll between Durant and Steph. But he said it's mainly offense to keep the other players engaged and keep the floor properly spaced so when things do get tight late in games as far as the defense ramping up, you're able to score much more easier. You don't have to work so hard to score. And right now, late in games, that's what ends up happening. So even though they won that Minnesota game, they only won by three points. You know, Russell Westbrook had a couple turnovers at the end. So it wasn't like they blew them out. I mean, they're kind of just, ink, you know, inking these wins out and they're doing it kind of in an ugly type variety. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to revisit this again because this is going to be an ongoing story. But finally, really, really, like I've watched them play, but I just was like, let me just really, really focus here. And too many times I saw Melo just trying to call his own play. It was even a play where uh, Westbrook made a read and decided not to throw the kickback pass to Melo on, on the on the wing. And Melo just stands over there with his hands up. He jumps up and down. Then after that, he's not even engaged in the rest of the play. He doesn't try to move, he doesn't crash the offensive glass, he doesn't go set a screen, just kind of hangs out on the wing. And I'm not going to say he was pouting, but you could definitely tell he was disappointed that the ball didn't come his way. So, again, I don't think this is a well-constructed team. Just because you have a lot of talent don't mean that you're going to win games. And I'm actually comprising a list right now that I want to talk about down the line where I'm going to put Melo on this list and his teammate, Westbrook, is going to make this list as well. I'm not going to give out what the name of this list is going to be, but – you know, it's just one of these things we see a lot in basketball. You see a lot of guys with great talent, but, you know, that's really about it. So I'm going to keep working on this list. I'm going to go through through the history of the game and kind of put this list together. And when, when it's ready, I'm going to do a show on it, release it. It's going to be an interesting list, and it's going to make you guys wonder and think about the perspective and where I'm coming from with this. Also on this podcast, I wanted to touch on – the rookie play, man, this has turned out to be a really as expected. I mean, I don't think anybody expected anything different, but they have not disappointed. This has been a fantastic rookie class. And even though Ben Simmons wasn't in this year's draft because he didn't play last year, of course, he's classified as a rookie. And he's been nothing but, you know, stellar with his play. He's been playing really, really, really well. Um, just, you know, he his assists. um, I'm about to look it up right now because these are last night's stats. I mean, he's fifth in assists right now. He's seven a game. He's second in steals. 
at 2.3 a game. Like, he's just been playing well, but he's been getting a lot of attention. It's quietly but surely uh, – Donovan Mitchell for Utah has played well. They kind of put him in the start lineup, I want to say, about seven to eight games ago. He just recently had a 41-point game. He has highlights on the daily night as he's able, at a, as a 6-1 guard, jump out the gym. He defends. He scores. He's throwing his hat in the ring. He's been playing really, really well. And also in Boston, even though he's on a, a better all-around team, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, is currently leading the league in three-point percentage. Like, he's shooting 51% from the three. And when I heard this, I, I was like, really? I had to go look it up. Like, that has to be a miss, a typo or something. It was like, and I looked at it. Sure enough, he's shooting 51% from three. And it's not like he's he's taking about, what they have him taking? Excuse me, bear with me. They have him taking a little bit over three. Okay, so he's not taking a ton, but still, the fact that he's shooting 50 shows that he has confidence. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, and he's only playing – he's playing about 30 minutes a game, so that's not bad for a rookie, getting you about 5.3 rebounds as well. So he's playing well. He has a plus-minus of 4.3. The question with all these rookies is going to be once they hit that proverbial uh, rookie wall – you know, when the legs start getting a little heavy, when the, tra- you know, the, the travel catches up to you, because he's already been been quoted as saying this shit. You know, he didn't even realize one time that they had a game the next day. You know, they move so fast. He's used to playing a game, maybe having a couple days off before you play the next one, and now they're coming super, super fast. But I've been really impressed with Tatum, been really impressed with Mitchell. Uh, Fox and Sacramento's getting more time. Um, of course, I just mentioned Simmons. Dennis Smith Jr., even though Dallas is so bad, he's been playing well. Even the guard uh, that LeBron got into in New York, Frank Nicotilla, he's been playing well as he starts to get a little bit more comfortable. So uh, I saw Malik Monk play this season. His minutes kind of fell back a little bit once Nicholas Platoon came in, but he has had some bright spots for Charlotte. So, again, this rookie class has not – disappointed um Kyle Kuzma he's making his bid for the Lakers you know playing for the Lakers as for rookie of the year as he's by far the best rookie on his team it's not even ball and I'm not gonna even get off into that craziness of LeVar Ball man just when you think people are joking and then you realize like nah like this dude is really a clown like I thought he was just joking just trying to get some clicks bring some attention to his family to his sons but like nah this dude is really a clown now it's been rumored he's pulled his other son out of UCLA and now he's trying to sign, find ways for him and the younger boy to go overseas which I don't necessarily dis- disagree with the younger boy going overseas and playing because they start their guys playing pro ball at an early age somebody like a Tony Parker a Ricky Rubio a Manu Ginobili uh Christoph Porzingis all these guys uh became pros at an early age so I don't, I'm not for against that but the middle son that just left UCLA after he was stealing in China he He's not that good anyway, but um, that's neither here nor there. But um, the rookies have not disappointed this season. Strong rookie class. It's going to be interesting to see once these games and the legs start getting heavier, who's going to be standing at the end. I ultimately think that Ben Simmons is going to probably um, win the rookie of the year, especially if Philly continues to play how they're playing right now. They're currently – wow, they're that high. Okay, they're currently fifth in the East, so barring something crazy – and, you know, we always got to knock on wood with them that they don't get any injuries because Embiid minutes have picked up. Barring something crazy, um, 
they should make the playoffs, which means Simmons should make um Rooks forget rookie of the year. And while I'm looking at the standings, Milwaukee is currently six right now. I watched them play against Boston last night. I mean, at the end of the day, Giannis has to get some help over there. I mean, Bledsoe, I'm not they've been eight and three since Bledsoe joined the team, but just far as them really doing something deep in the playoffs this year, they better hope and cross their fingers that Jabari Parker can come back and give them some because Militant, solid player, mm, not really a great, like, big-time third option like that. Brogdon, solid player, not a big-time option. Same thing for Snell. Like, they got some really solid players. They just need that one more big name. I wouldn't even say big name, but somebody can just give them that scoring punch, that oomph. I don't know if that's something they can get this year in a trade, but they're definitely going to have to do something because, I mean, Giannis, again, look at these stats. The man had 40 points last year, last night, and it's amazing to watch him play because he does not have a jump shot. Like, he doesn't shoot any jump shots, but he's just relentless in the way he, he attacks the basket. He just attacks, 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 attacks. And he comes into this last year's game, he's averaging basically 30 points a game, 10 rebounds, four and a half assists. So, but, um, I would say LeBron, James Harden, and Giannis are probably my top three for my MVP race right now. But again, he's got to get some help over there because that they they're they're gonna possibly, depending on their matchup, probably be one and done in the in the playoffs in the first round. They might not even make it out the first round again. I know rumor is they have admirations to make it out. And if they don't, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with Jason Kidd long term. Cause again, one of my favorite players of all time, not really big on him as a coach either. I just think they need somebody else that can really space that floor even better and kind of get the most out of out of Giannis, which sounds crazy because he's putting up these stats, but I just don't think they're really using him in an effective way that's beneficial for not just him but for the team long term. So just kind of wanted to stop by this week, update some storylines, kind of give my opinion on some things. Thanks for listening again today. Make sure to follow your boy. Make sure to subscribe, download, like. Head over to Spreaker.com. That's the hosting site for the podcast. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Type in the Off The Glass podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at ZJ at Off The Glass. You can also find me on Facebook. I just created a, a page for the Off The Glass podcast. Um, you can go to my blog, which is on the website, theofftheglasspodcast.com. Check out my story uh, talking about the super team. Uh, is LeBron the greatest to ever play? I don't know. Maybe. also did an article on how Giannis compares at this point in his career to some of the all-time greats. And I'm actually working on a couple other stories, other pieces right now that should be up um, shortly. So thanks for listening today. This has been your host, Z. Stay safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. 
Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. 